Well, it must be Sunday night because Offside Hockey Talk is live, and we are joined by a very great guest tonight. Before we get there, though, want to say hi to my co-hosts as always, Pete the Heat and Dylan D. Fournier. Boys, how's it going tonight? It's going well. How are you doing, James? How are you doing, Dylan? David, nice to have you. Not too shabby. And there how you go. Pete just touched on it. There he is, Mr. David Morsuti. You hear him all the time on the Locked on Leafs podcast. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you on, man. Pick your brain here about the Maple Leafs and talk about the team that we all love. Everybody's got a jersey hanging behind them, so it seems like we're in good company. Oh, I appreciate you guys reaching out. Yeah, I mean, coming off watching the Canadian Open, I'm a big golf guy, so watching nice. that to this podcast, what a way to transition, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I don't know. We're, we're not as good as, you know, the first Canadian winning in what? I think it's 54 years, but uh, almost, almost 70 years now. Almost 70. Wow. All right. So, yeah, we're not that big, but we're, we're a pretty big deal in these parts. Um, so, yeah, having David on tonight, you guys can see the topics on the sidebar. We're going to jump into it. But, hey, we got to ask David, what was it joining Locked On Leafs? What got you in there? Obviously, you must love talking about the Toronto Maple Leafs. I know you dabble with Sportsnet as well. Fill us in. What happened there? Where'd your love of hockey come from? Yeah, so uh, I, I always love to do podcasting. I was podcasting even before I thought sports media was going to be a career for me. And Mike and I met in school. We we actually went to Centennial College together. So I knew Mike before he became Al's brother. So it's always funny when people say, cool. like, have you ever heard of this guy, Al's brother? I said, yeah, I know his actual. <laughs> can, can you explain the story of Al's brother to the listeners that don't know? Yeah, so yeah, so his, the inception of that name came from just Overdrive. They were making nicknames for all the guys that were working behind the scenes. You, know, you got Grappler, and then they just decided to do Al's brother. I, I couldn't remember exactly why it was Al's brother that then eventually became the name, but yeah, so it stuck, and like Mike has uh, embraced it like no other, and that's that's Mike for you, though. Mike will embrace anything like that, and that's what makes uh, Mike so entertaining. And so Mike was on the Locked On Lease podcast. He said four years he had already been doing it. And he'd asked me to come on the podcast a few times because he's always looking for guests just to help, you know, do the show. Yep. And then he just literally came and was like, you want to, like, be my permanent co-host with me? <laughs> and, you know, I thought about it for a little bit because, you know, five days a week we have, you know, it's a commitment there. Mike and I had that connection already. Like we already knew each other. So it was that like, that was an easy thing. And I said, yeah, sure. You know, I've always wanted to get, I, I hadn't done podcasting in a little bit, like on an everyday basis. So I'm like, yeah, I mean, doing the Leafs, it's, it's really what I do every day. Like it, it just made a perfect sense to do it on. And yeah, I've been there going on two years now, like almost two years now. So it's, so uh, did it happen during COVID then? Uh, so I started like kind of working with them during COVID and yeah. then after COVID. So we were like getting past the bubble. So this would have been like the first year of like post bubble gotcha. stuff. So we, when we were, when I kind of joined on full time and yeah, so it's been, it's been a crazy ride. It's like, I didn't know where this, where our, this podcast was going to go. You know, we didn't have a YouTube channel really when it started off. And now we are like one, we're the second best NHL channel on the network behind the senators who have had a way bigger head start than we did <laughs> on doing this. So we're, we're, we're trying to catch them. It's going to take a little bit of work, but yeah, that's, uh, that's kind of how the whole thing, uh, whole thing came about. 
Yeah, you guys are buzzing on YouTube, by the way. Shout out to you guys for building that. Every episode just hammering a little bit more, getting closer to the sends. I love it. You guys will surpass them very soon too. So don't worry we about do very that. well on the on the, the views where we're kicking their butts. Subscribers, we need a little bit of work there, but views we're we're beating the sends right now. So I'm happy about that. Hey man, it's just the way the Leafs do it, man. They beat the Sens, it's the way to go. Um <laughs> I want to get your thoughts. Obviously, the playoffs, I mean, they're a little bit behind us now, but um we Finally went around, got into that second round, and it looked like the wheels kind of, I wouldn't say fell off, but it didn't seem like the same team that got that emotional high in the first round, then into that second round. I'm wondering for you, what changed for the Maple Leafs in your opinion? And really, who was a guy to you that just didn't seem himself going into that second round? Yeah, I mean, you talked about it right there, the emotional high. And, you know, when you get onto that emotional high, trying to get yourself back even keel and just be like, okay, that's that's in the past. Now we got to get back on track and, you know, do this all over again. And the, the other issue was that the Panthers were on an even bigger high because of what they had pulled off. Yeah. And they had that belief. The Leafs had the belief too. But I, I just feel like they, they just didn't have all the ingredients – that were needed to be the playoff contender that they need to be, right? They made all the right additions, right? Physicality on the back end, up front. Goaltending was pretty good. Goaltending wasn't an issue. But then it's it's your stars, it's your best players coming and putting out their best every night. We didn't yeah. at least didn't get that, right? Yeah. Austin Matthews, he didn't look very good. He like I thought Austin Matthews turned a corner in that series against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Where he willed them to victory when they were down four one, yeah, right. I oh, thought yeah. it was their opportunity to yeah. finally get the Austin Matthews we've been waiting to see, and even even the elimination game, game six, he scored that goal, right? That what no the goal, and you just like okay, here we go, it's starting to happen, and then it just reverted back to a team like Florida who decided to bring that aggressiveness and make life hard on them, and they just they couldn't they find that mindset to just push through it like. You're seeing with Vegas right now. The Leafs just didn't have their star players push through it, and it was too late, right? William Nylander, you know, in Game Five yeah. was amazing, but where was that? You know, Games One and Two at home, right? When you lose your first two games at home, that puts you behind the eight ball so much, just like it did with Carolina. It's that it was just that not being a, not not rising up and realizing, you know what? Yes, Florida was doing a lot of good things, right? But the Leafs were the better team. Like you're looking at what Vegas is doing right now to them. Like that's what the Leafs should have been doing to them. The unfortunate part is that the cohesiveness of the team just wasn't there. And it starts with the stars. Unfortunately, the guys who get paid so much, it just Mm -hmm. wasn't there for them. I want to ask you a question. I have a theory about Austin Matthews and it goes back to that fight with Steven Stamkos and that wrist, that wrist that's our hand wrist, the whole thing that bothered him throughout the year. I'm wondering if that tussle with Stamkos really did something to that wrist hand, because if you look in the second round, his shooting wasn't the same. His velocity off the stick wasn't the same. You know, even the accuracy wasn't there that we used to run Austin Matthews. I'm wondering, do you think that might've been a factor? Not just giving him a pass or anything, but I'm saying that may be something that hampered him. And maybe you see after he inks his big old deal here with the Maple Leafs this off season, maybe he goes and gets something cleaned up. Yeah, you know, like that's I didn't really think about that when the fight initially happened. Like 
Awesome. I, I first off, Austin Matthews shouldn't have been fighting in that situation. No. Steven Samkos knew exactly what he was doing there. Yeah. And yeah, I, like when I watched Austin Matthews in that second round, he definitely didn't look like himself. You know, there were opportunities for him that Austin Matthews you'd usually score. And we've seen him score so many times. And you could tell when you're injured, especially your wrist. Like, I mean, I'm not a professional athlete, but I just know that if I'm dealing with any issues with, with a wrist or anything, you're going to overcompensate a little bit to, you know, work around that injury. And you can see that Austin Matthews just what the mechanics just weren't there for that shot. That shot is what makes him the guy, right? That yeah. gets paid over $11 million. No one shoots the puck like him. No. But the Leafs just didn't get that from him. And you could tell that something was off from him. Yeah, you know, he, he had his chances, but it just wasn't to the same degree that we had seen, you know, even earlier in that series. So that fight could have definitely been it. I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised just like last year where if he did have an odd to go with another surgery, is he waiting for something or, you know, sometimes they wait to see if they can rehab it before they do the surgery. The athletes always hate to do the surgeries just because of complications and stuff. So I'm wondering if Matthew's just trying to see if rest and rehab for that injury will take care of it. Let's stay on the top of of Austin Matthews here. I mean, he's obviously coming into a contract season. Do you have any predictions what he's going to sign or when he's even going to sign? Is it going to be something before the summer, mid-season? Sorry, not before the summer, mid-summer. Do you have any predictions on that? Yeah, there's no way that this is going to get to the season. So anybody who's worried about, like, Austin Matthews doesn't seem like a person that wants to be answering questions. He's been answering those questions well before he's even allowed yeah, to sign an extension. Yeah. So he doesn't, he, it just doesn't scream to me a situation he wants to drag on. No. And I know people are just like, oh, now with, you know, with everything no. that's gone on with Kyle Dubas, it just changes oh, the yeah. time. Like, well, no, not really. Cause you're hoping that the guys you've had in place, like Brandon Pridham, have already kind of been working around what exactly the number could be and they can offer. Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised if they, you know, if things start to get going with the front office and they really make this a priority, like they say they want to, that this happens relatively close to that, you know, when they can actually announce the extension, like Nathan McKinnon didn't wait too long before he got the number. It's like, it's not that hard of a contract. It's awesome. Matthews, you know, he's paid a lot, right? This isn't like, you're going to try to, yeah, you're going to try your best to make the right you know, term and, and cap, you know, cap length or cap uh, AAV. But you also just, you're not going to be trying to say, hey, yeah, you got to take less than what you did before. Like that's not even going to be in the realm of possibility for the Leafs with this one. So I feel like this should be an easier negotiation just because you know how important it is for the franchise. Yeah. That's now, what, what would you say, Austin Matthews, a lot of people want him to sign the max deal. I've sat on this show many times and said, you know what? I think he's one of those new breed of NHL guys who want to maximize his earning window and be able to do another big contract in four years, you know, before he hits that golden age of 30, when people start to get a little hesitant for doling out big money for guys. So I'm not against Austin Matthews doing it. You see it in other sports all the time. Guys end up staying with the teams they're with, but they just do it to get their higher percentage of the cap. Do you see Austin Matthews going short here or long? I, like I, I don't think it's gonna be any less than three years. If they're doing a deal, like it's not gonna be for two years. Like, no. I just don't see the Leafs are just not gonna put themselves in that situation. No. So I think it's a minimum of three. I can't see it going past five, just because Austin Matthews and his representatives know 
The cap is going up. Once that escrow is all paid off, the cap is just going to keep going up. And that just, and where the money always goes when the cap goes up is to the star players. He just saw what McKinnon did. Yep. Yeah. I understand that fans are probably frustrated that it's not eight years, but you know what? Like some guys are just content with getting that term. I'm not one of those people that feel like players should do that to themselves. Like, do you think Nathan McKinnon, like, do you think Connor McDavid was happy about eight years knowing now what he probably could get on the open on open market, knowing the salary caps going out? Now, Connor yeah. McDavid will get another chance to make a lot of money. But you know what? I'm sure a lot of front offices, when they see what Austin Matthews does, they're going to be a little worried about their own stars. They decide, yeah. you know what? Not only do I want to take the short amount of uh, term so I can see if I can get more on my next deal, but you know what? If I'm not happy with the situation, you know, let me see if I can not give myself eight years and kind of trap myself like a lot of stars get stuck doing. Like, you know, Jonathan Taze and Patrick Kane, I'm sure the Blackhawks and, and them would have liked to have moved away earlier than what was happening with them, right? So, yeah. Well, I, I said this too, like the cap is going to go up, right? So yes. next year we, we think about what, between three and five million. If we go to the high end, five yeah. million, you know, you look at it and say, okay, Austin Matthews due for a raise. Okay, so you give him the $3 million he's looking for. William Nylander is what, almost $7 million, 6.9 and change. So you move him up $2 million to get him to $9 million, like a David Pasternak. There's your next year's cap raise right there. Those guys just eat that money as if it wasn't even coming in. But those guys are now signed, and you know you're going up again after that, the next year after that, when Mitch Marner comes up, and then when Johnny T comes up, I'm pretty sure he's not going to be an $11 million player uh, if the Leafs even opt to resign him at that point. But at least for those two players who are right now in the forefront of getting their deals done, you have that hopefully in your mind that we're getting a $5 million raise on the cap. So if we give that money to those guys, bring them up to where they want, we should still, in theory, be okay with our numbers because really it's just money that's coming in to raise them up. And you can't you can't tell them that Brand Pridham hasn't been thinking about this for yeah. so long. Like it's literally his job to be the cap wizard of this team. So he knows what money, you know. And, and you see what Nathan McKinnon has done. You just saw what David Pasternak signed for. So you're getting a, an idea, right, of what Austin Matthews' range is going to be now. Eight-year deal is a lot different than you know shorter-term deals and all those things. But again, when Nathan McKinnon signed, there was no telling where the cap was going. No, yeah, so you could project as much as possible, but it was going up barely a million dollars. Like the NHL is like, okay, we'll throw a bone and we'll do it a million just because that's what we negotiated. But now with you know with what you're seeing with Austin Matthews, it, it hurt the Leafs obviously that they didn't get a longer extension the first time around. But he know they they knew they were just gonna bet on the fact that they expect the cap to continue to go up and they can continue to make money. Like, and people get mad that it's just like, well, Austin Matthews' value to the team is really high. Yeah, yeah. Oh, how important he is, and and the, the just not even on the ice, but off the ice too. Like, there's no way MLSC is gonna get away with you know getting him on a massive discount. It's just not the way it goes in Toronto. Do you, well, I, you ever go ahead? Do you ever think, like, I know we're not in the locker room or anything, but do you ever think that in Austin Matthews' mind that he would be inclined to take that shorter term and a little bit shorter, less cap than what he is worth 
so that he can get that bargain later down the road? Or do you, do you just think that's not even in the question? You know, what? I, the Leafs gave him, like they can even tell them like, look, we, we didn't, we didn't shortchange you on your second deal. We're not trying to shortchange you, but we also, there's a reality here that do you, who do you want to stick around? Right. Do you want yeah. to be here? Do you want Mitch to be here? Mm-hmm. Do you want certain guys to be here? Like the Leafs didn't haggle with him this it, with his contract, right? I think that was purposely done because they just knew that they wanted to keep this core together, and they just they already went through two tough negotiations. They were going to do a third one, and if there's one you don't want to do, it's your franchise player. Yeah. So I think there will be that honest conversation. It has to happen. I think Trio is is pretty honest and straightforward oh, yeah. with that, especially because I don't know. I I, I I'm the type of person that thinks that like if you're thinking about winning a championship yeah you you might want to take the discount to keep your guys around and especially i know we talk about the core four but like those guys those guys love and adore each other and and they i think they would love to have each other around and take a little bit of a discount to keep guys around that were you know traded to the team this year and yeah, to keep and the, and the problem that the Leafs had when they did the Tavares deal and the Willie, then the, they they set these parameters where how much better is Tavares over Marner and Matthews? Like Mike talked about this on the show, give him a lot of credit for that because how can you tell Austin Matthews he's not worth more than John Tavares? Yeah. How can yeah. you tell you know Mitch Marner he's not now? I know sure people have their opinions on Mitch Marner, but he was coming off a really good season. Yeah. Yeah. How can you tell him that he's worth less than, you know, $10 million a year? It's really tough just because the comparables internally would suggest that, you know what, Marner couldn't, you know, take Neilander money. He also isn't worth Matthew's money. So you try to work the middle ground, maybe a little bit too much on the Marner scale. Maybe it should have been tipped a little bit more to the balance a little bit. But that's the issue right there is that you got like Matthews will reset everything on this team. Yeah. Hopefully yeah. In the right. Way, right. Like hopefully, you know, with Matthews getting paid, the dollar signs don't go through Mitch's eyeballs. Right. Yeah. And that might have to be another conversation to have right there. Right after that. Yeah. And that's going to be the tougher one, I think. Well, the question that I have here, and, and you, we sit here and talk about wanting to keep guys and keep guys around and, you know, saying, Hey, Austin, you know, take less. What if they structure the deal in that way, though, knowing the cap is going to go up? So in the first couple of years, it's a less cap hit. And, you know, he makes his money At the down end. the line there on year three, four, five, if he signs a five-year deal, or year three and four. So that way, year one, there's some more money on the table to keep guys around and keep guys here. Maybe just one year of that even. And then year two, three, four, you're up to a higher cap AAV. But that first year, you've sacrificed a little to keep some guys around, a la uh, Willie Nylander and stuff like that. So you maybe say, hey, Austin, first year you'll be at 11 where you are now, and then we put you to the highest paid player beyond that. That gets us to keep Willie here. That gets us to keep whoever else we're thinking of, you know, just because we, we're not assured the cap is going up five. We'd like to think it is. But, hey, if you do that for us, we're willing to go to this number for year two, three, four. And that's maybe one way he can govern some, you know, a favor from yeah. the fan base where everybody's like, this guy is making so much money and it's going to take away from getting these guys signed and keeping guys here. 
I think I think what Matthews will potentially do here is like, okay, this is what I'm looking to get. What number are you comfortable to offer? And there's probably going to be some way to, you know, get some middle ground here, right? Yeah. I don't see the Leafs asking Matthews to do anything like that. What they're going to obviously do again is likely do the signing bonuses and structure to ensure that he's maximizing his earnings, right? To ensure that we don't have this discussion about taxes and stuff like that. <laughs> Cause I know that was a big one, but I mean, Austin Matthews also made a lot of money in other ways just by being in the Toronto market. Oh, well, hell yeah. That tax thing kind of worries me. Yeah, I don't know if you guys seen the article. I heard about it on 30 Thoughts, I think, or something like that. Something about the uh, Canada tax. They went after Jose, or, uh, Batista there. Yeah. So oh, really? I'm sure. Now, the thing is, is the agents are smart about all this. And you, if you have a good money manager, that shouldn't be as big of a problem, you know, especially for someone like Austin Matthews who has a you know, residence in Toronto, right? He has his place, you know, things like that. I think the NHL has figured out ways to make it work. I think, um, I can't remember who it was. There was an age. I think Chris Pronger kind of taught, discussed this a little bit. I think Alan Walsh kind of brings a, the agent side to it, which I think is good. I don't think that's going to be too much of an issue when it comes to the taxes. Yeah. The lease have to worry about the tax structure and all those things. And that's why they're able to do, the, te- the the contracts the way they do it to ensure that the players aren't getting as big of a hit yeah in in the long run so i don't think that's the issue i think it, what the least big problem will be is figuring out what's the right term to get matthews done for and just making sure that that aav doesn't you know kick them in the butt them too much with the other contracts that they have to get done Okay, well, let's switch gears. We talked a lot about Austin Matthews. Let's quickly touch on the other guy that we brought up a couple times, and that's William Nylander. Um, I'm wondering for you, Dave, do you bring in Willie Nylander again? Uh, I would like to see him back if he's the guy that we saw in Game 5. That's the kind of guy you want to see. He was pretty beast mode a lot more this year. His 200-foot game looked a little bit better than it has previous seasons. Um, Some people say maybe he's starting to turn the corner. He still is not a guy that'll go in physically and battle too much uh, or throw hits or all that kind of stuff. We know what he is. Uh, what would you be comfortable seeing William Nylander come back on? On He probably would take a longer-term deal. Um, a lot of people seem to say that David Pasternak may be around the money that he gets you know, with the adjustments. That's a tough one there because you know Nylander isn't – Austin Matthews in a lot of ways. He's not even David Pasternak, right? He's not He's not given that prime offensive role that other guys on the team are getting. So I think the important thing to remember here with Nylander is that he's never really desired to leave, right? Yeah, he had a really tough negotiation the first time. I think that was some bad advice that he got a little bit from the agent, and yeah. I think Kyle Dubas also just mishandle that a lot. So I think when you're, when you're looking at Nylander again, it's the comparables you have to do with him, right? He had a really good year, um, but there are still parts of his game that you wonder, can he be that guy in the playoffs? We see it in spurts, but we don't see it enough where I'm comfortable giving him double digits. You know, I, I look at what Miko Rantanen, that's yeah. roughly where I'm looking at with Nylander, right? Cause I can't see him getting more than like nine, nine and a half. Yeah. Even yeah. on the, I, I'd be comfortable at nine. That's about it. Yeah. I, I did some comparisons. I don't know when it was earlier in the year. And I was kind of just looking at 
career points and like people around his age. And I, I looked at Dylan Larkin as a great comparable, but again, I know that Stevie Y is doing something very specific with Detroit in general with those contracts. But I think some somewhere around what Dylan Larkin is getting would be great in in our market, especially when especially when Neilander he's a hot and a cold kind of guy. Like he's not always on, and I think that's the biggest problem when you look at somebody like Neilander. Yeah. Can I can I ask you something here? If for whatever reason we're not able to sign William Nylander, do you think it's in the Leafs' best interest to trade him and collect assets, or do they just ride out the rest of the season? No, you got you. Honestly, you, I think the the last thing that you're living wants is to have a snub another yeah. throw. Yeah. Or you know, I I think you forgot to figure this out. Like yeah. Austin Matthews first, William Nylander, he's right behind. Yeah, you need to figure that out because I think Nylander can be an asset that they can get something good in return because oh, yeah. goal scoring is a pro- is is a premium in the NHL, and a team will pay for it. Yeah, and you know, again, you're gonna have to figure out like a sign and trade sort of deal. I think that's what would benefit yeah, the Leafs sure. if they do mm-hmm. some sort of sign and trade in that regard. Like, like I I value I look at Nylander almost similar to a Kachuk. Obviously, not the same player, but I think the situations could be a little similar in that true living just will not he will not allow this to drag out longer than it should um and so i think that i think you can see a situation where if if they feel the number isn't right and nylander's just gonna play hardball with them they'll look to move them i think if you're gonna look to move a guy it's probably gonna be him and there are gonna be teams that will call and i think they the least It'll be tough because of that one year left, right? Because you know you have to make sure that whoever you're training to, he is going to stay there. Yeah. So I think you got to figure out, okay, if we can work out a sign and trade with the team you want to be with, let's try to get that done. I think that would be their best move if they decide to go that route. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen a few people mention this and say, you know, if you do that route, you bring in a defenseman. Yeah. You know, a bona fide. You know, number two, number three defenseman. You probably won't get a number one for William Nylander, but you will get a package that'll include a defenseman. And, you know, you start looking across the way at Columbus and what they're loading up on their back end, you know. So now you're wondering, hey, Columbus has got some offensive guys, some skilled young players coming in too. So that's another uh, another one in the East. But we'll roll through. We've mentioned Trey Living a couple times now. Um, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you, what do you think of him coming in? Um, I loved how he didn't stir the pot with the media, didn't um, add fuel to any fires, as Jeff Merrick would say, uh, but he really came in with um, confidence, threw some jokes out there, um, you know, really kind of smoothed the room over, right? He was uh, one of those guys who came in almost like, uh, you call him a charlatan or whatever, you know, he just came in and said, hey, let's have some fun. This is going to be great. You know, I'm not scared. I'm not nervous. I've learned things. I know things. You know, and I've had great working relationships, by the way, with Matthew's agent, with Brandon Pridham when we both worked in the league. So, he, you know, he calmed a lot of those waters as well right off the get-go. So what were your thoughts, David, when he came in? Yeah, I mean, you, there's some, you know, thoughts of like, is this the right guy? You know, is this just the Leafs trying to, you know, go back to the old well in a little ways about just like when you when you think of like, Brad living, he's kind of in that I wouldn't say the old boys club that you always hear about, but in a yeah. way he kind of was. 
So you, there's a little bit of concern of whether, you know, you go from a guy like Kyle Dubas who did things one way and going to Bradshaw Living and who does things a different way. And always that thought of what happened in Calgary, you get worried, is that going to happen in Toronto again? And you, I think you nailed it there because he learned a lot from his time in Calgary. And I said it on the podcast. I said, Bradshaw Living in Calgary is probably going to be a lot different with Bradshaw Living in Toronto. Oh, yeah. The, the Leafs just can sell things a lot better than Calgary can. Like I talked to many people out in Calgary, like that, that arena, the facilities there are nowhere close to what the Leafs. <laughs> Especially it's actually after that, that leaked uh, locker room video. Yeah. Well, we, we talked to that. Peter Lombardius about that. <laughs> Holy smokes. It's not great. Right. And so there's that, you know, the full backing of the board, Brendan Shanahan, the relationship there. But what I liked about Bradch Living is, yeah, he doesn't let the media phase him. I've I've watched my fair share of Bradch Living press conferences. He's had to deal with a lot of situations, and he doesn't let emotion. And now this is I, I, some people might see that as a shot at Kyle Dubas, kind of no. is him a little bit. But with Bradch Living, there is an even keelness to him, yeah. and there's a willingness to not sit on your hands with the situation, like. I applauded him to with as well as he did with that Matthew Kachuk trade because, yeah, it didn't work out, you know, in the way that they might because you see what Kachuk's doing with Florida. But if Huberto played to his potential, like Mackenzie Weger was doing pretty well for them. Like nobody was complaining about Mackenzie Weger. But if Huberto had probably had a different coach, right? One that didn't hate guys who like offense, I think that trade. <laughs> Were young players for that matter? Yeah, I think that trade could work out way differently. You know, he went out, he made that deal for Nazan Kadri. Not many were complaining about that deal either. He went and he got a really good goaltender in Jacob Markstrom, who I think was a little bit of burnout uh, from you know his Vesna win, his Vesna season to what yeah. happened in the second year. So, yeah, I think just a lot of things went wrong for Bradshaw Living that I think were just kind of hard to predict in a lot of ways, and I think just. Having a guy that had that experience and knows, all right, I've been through that. I'm not going to let that happen again. I It started to win me over a little bit when you hear him talking about also the defense. And he seems to have a good grasp of what this team, being somebody who has seen this team many times probably, especially in that 2021 where they played each other like how many times? Nine times. Right? So he knows what this Leafs team is all about. He knows what this team needs going forward. So – I'm I'm feeling okay until I start to see the moves that are made. Until I yeah. start to see the contracts sold yeah. out, and I, he's a pretty he's been pretty good at making trades. Like yeah. you think of the Dougie Hamilton trade, he's not afraid to pull a deal. He's not afraid to do it, and he's willing to you know figure out ways to you know if a guy doesn't want to be there, he's gonna get the he's not just gonna lay down and take whatever crappy offer GM's gonna offer him. He's gonna make the best of a of a pretty brutal situation. Yeah. I want to ask this question to you, and this one we've asked a couple of people who've worked in the Calgary media as well. If Sutter was able to be fired throughout the year, do the Leafs even have Brad Living as their general manager? Um, that's I a, think he would have stayed. You know what? I don't know about that. I mean, I, I think, yeah, he's the one that hired the coach. I wonder if I mean, look, like Daryl Sutter has been there so many times that you wonder who's pulling the strings with a lot of those moves, right? And the coaching hires. 
That was also mm-hmm. something that we talked about in the podcast. We were a little concerned about when it comes to his decisions with coaches. But I also was like, how much of that is him? How much is the owner? Well, playing? we uh, got the answer last week that it wasn't him who yeah. signed Sutter to the extension. Right? It was the yeah. owner in Calgary because they're buddies. Exactly. And it basically came down to Tre Living or Sutter, and they prioritized Sutter over Tre Living. So, yeah. and a lot of people, I want to get it out there just with you on here too. Mm-hmm. A lot of people in Leafs Nation seem to think that Tre Living was, was fired. Good. He actually walked away. No, he wasn't. And I think that's an important distinction. I, I mean, I worked the day at Sportsnet when he left. Yeah. Um, I had to reword our article to make sure it didn't say fired because that's a very important distinction when you're doing those stories. Accuracy is important. Yep. And yeah, it wasn't he. He left the organization. Kind of well, not like Kyle like Dubas parted ways, but they is essentially like a firing because he still had time on his contract. Yeah, but the Flames one was yeah, where he wasn't going back. I think he just realized he needed a change um, as well. I, and I guarantee a lot, as you mentioned, a lot of that had to do with the working relationship with the ownership and things like that, right? If he's being sidestepped to not being able to run the team as he sees fit, yeah. you're not going to want to stay there. And I think the whole how that whole season went, the offseason, that, that's a lot to put on with uh, Brad Trilliving. So, yeah, like he wasn't fired. Um, he did part ways, and I remember them, like somebody was saying, would ever be a situation where you, you'd welcome back in Calgary? And Don Maloney was very crucial in saying, you know, like, no, I don't think that's like Jim. Like, I don't think Brad would ever come back. Like to Calgary, that way, like it, they kind of yeah. didn't feel it, didn't feel like, uh, yeah, we're just cutting ties completely. There was, it was kind of a weird situation there. And yeah, I think that's an important distinction. He, like, the Flames probably would have kept him. I feel like there wasn't an issue with his, like, he, the confidence in what he was doing. I just think Brad had that honest conversation, just like, this isn't the right situation for me anymore. Yeah. Need to kind of- it's almost similar to the, uh, the Paul Marie situation yeah. when he was in, in Winnipeg, he was just like, they're not listening to me either. It's just like not working. And it was just like, it's my time to go. I, let's go. Yeah. I think, I think you're perfectly light. I think the situations are really, really similar in, in the two cities there. I mean, Maurice was a little more out of nowhere in it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And like, it kind of caught everyone off guard True living. There was ink. There was kind of like a, you heard a little bit that you know what this might not be something that continues. But again, many thought that it would lead to the Flames firing him. Not that yeah. both deci- both sides decided we're just not going to continue this. Well, one can only hope that uh, the move leads to the same situation with what Paul Maurice is doing. <laughs> so the the question I have then for now for True Living for the coaching staff, we all know there is a vacancy there and there's also uh an ahl of the year coach two times in a row named mitch love sitting there in waiting everybody thinks that sheldon keith will probably get a small extension here for true living to figure out what it's going to go on with him but if you're true living and you know this coach and you know what he's capable of do you not fill him into that spot where spencer carberry was and have that guy on your bench someone you're familiar with who can come in and work there and work with you and really maybe your heir apparent to head coach if Sheldon Keefe doesn't work out. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, a lot of GMs do that. They kind of bring in a guy that they want. And a lot of times when that head coach is fired, it's convenient that that guy takes over. I think you got to be very, very careful about that in Toronto because that rumbling will happen. And yeah. you just don't, 
it's so different because the Toronto media will just push and push it, right? Well, like, it happened with Keith and Babcock. Exactly, right? You know, it wasn't even, and Keith wasn't even on the staff. That's the that's, he was in the AHL, right? He was in the AHL, but yeah. when you're that close, when you're it, just a quick cab yeah. right away in a lot of ways. Well, yeah. in this case, they were in Phoenix when it happened. Convenient. Yeah. <laughs> the timing of that was very convenient where they knew less media was going to be on the row, right? Yeah. Did that. A little media trick there uh, just for you guys. Um, and so I do think that depending – and look, the AHL one is also up for grabs too. Right. So, yeah. right? This, is a, this is a situation where, yeah, they could do it on the coaching staff or they can have it right in the AHL right there. I think watching how they handle – the vacancies like Spencer Carberry's one they're going to have to fill, and that how they do these hires are going to be very, very, uh, it's going to be very intriguing because, yeah, I don't see Keith going, I just don't, unless the whatever meeting they have, and and yeah. uh, is just like, nah, like I don't like what I'm hearing, I don't like the vision, I don't like where this is going, so I'm gonna decide to cut bait now before we waste, right? The last thing you yeah. want to do, too. When you're making coaching for hirings and firings, timing is important because you don't want a situation where, I mean, at least we're fortunate when they fired Babcock that they weren't terrible, but they weren't great. So they yeah. were able to bounce back. You don't want a situation where the players have fully tuned out the coach and yeah. there's no coming back from that. I don't yeah. think Keith's lost his room, to be honest with you. I just think right now it's just so tenuous because of what happened with Kyle Dubas and he was mm-hmm. Kyle Dubas's guy. But I mean, the things that Bradford Living has already said, and now the reports that we've heard everywhere that they are looking to probably extend them on a short extension so they don't have to pay them like they did with Babcock, who, by the way, is still getting paid until June 30th uh, by this Maple Leafs team and will be with Columbus. Um, the other thing I want to ask you about is a guy who uh, who did an interview this week. Everybody thought thought maybe uh, he was Very going weird. to war, but mm. uh, Mr. Ryan O'Reilly um, – made it really sound like this may be somewhere now he wants to come back and have another crack at it. I'm wondering if you got the same vibes I did because that's what it sounded like when he uh, did that interview on Overdrive. It sounded like he kind of liked what he had. Yeah, I think when you're – when you're like everyone heard the season-ending press conference and was like, yeah, he's gone. Like just by yeah. hearing him talk yeah. about it, everyone was kind of saying that he would look at the open market I it, it's it's also one where you don't want to close the door. I think that's what Ryan O'Reilly like. I think he probably heard the rumblings kind of after that first press conference where he was like, "Yeah, he's gone." I think he realized, you know what? What better way for me to leverage another team than say, "Ah, Toronto's still looking to sign me, right? I'm still interested. I'm not fully closing the door there." I think there was a little bit of that. I also think, yeah, I think he also taking time to talk with his family and they're like, we kind of like this idea of being in Toronto. Oh yeah. Right. You know, it's, it's one thing to do it. Yeah. He probably had some time before that press conference to say something, but when you have a few weeks to kind of see where things are going, a lot of things changed since he made that last press conference yeah. till now. Right. Yeah. And so I, I don't know if he's ever, I don't know what Bradshaw living's feelings are with Ryan O'Reilly. If I'm not mistaken, I think the flames were looking to, bring him in when he was an RFA with the offer sheet. They did, uh, yep. Yeah, so maybe Bradshaw Living had a discussion with him too, and there's something there that could work. Um, it's one of those situations where I think the Leafs just have to realize, can they afford him? 
That's on what, the question. What the free agent market <laughs> is the question. Offer, right? Like St. Louis will pay him. Oh, yeah. I think St. Louis has the ability to pay him. And he loves St. Louis. He's been there for so long. But there's going to be a lot of teams that are going to come calling. And he might like one situation better than the other. So Leafs just got to be very careful, you know, how much they pay a guy who I think, yes, he did some good things, but his game is not the same as it was. No, blowing down. The no, he'd be. You know what? He'd be a good third line center. Yep, the second line guy in a pinch, but uh, he'd be that that kind of grizzled kind of veteran guy that you want in your bottom six. Exactly. That could play a little physical, play less minutes a night, really hone his game and get some power play tidbits as well. What number would you be comfortable in him coming back at? I'm looking at like maybe four four and a half if if that yeah like you got to be so careful when you're signing your third line like as you said someone yeah. who's your third line maybe second line guy like i heard some people saying over five million dollars he probably could very well get that yeah i like i don't think the Leafs can afford that no unless they make some other moves to fit this co- the the cap in that way i personally wouldn't even pay that myself um i was I gonna say now that Kerfoot's contracts out of the way, just sign them to what Kerfoot had. I know. Like you want it, you would really want that. I, I just think if that's what the Leafs offer, you gotta say this is what we can offer you. If you want it, that's great. Like a three and a half, four. Yeah. I think four is pushing it. Three and a half, I'd be I can live with that. I oh, think yeah. anyway. And if What's he's like yeah, I, I can't go more than two, three years on that. Yeah. Like you know, he's not, he's not getting, I mean, he's in the, he's in his thirties, right? So you got to be very careful about how much you pay those guys. So, you know, I think sweeten them up like you did Nola cherry and bring Tim Hortons into the room and say, (laughs) we'll get you in for some donuts. (laughs) Well, he already had his deal, right? Like I I was so surprised at how quick I think it was Osmos or something. Like it was like, yeah, 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 it was a couple weeks. I mean, for God's sakes, I couldn't like those commercials were too much for me throughout the playoffs. <laughs> but like, they, they, yeah, the Leafs can sell him on that. Say, so, you know what? If you take a little less, we'll make sure you make up your money elsewhere. I'm sure they've done that many times with guys. So with Ryan O'Reilly, I say, yeah, three and a half. I would be, I could live with that, especially with the role he would play. That's the thing, right? When you're signing him, you have to envision your role for him, not what. Yeah other teams would would use him as. So yeah. I think with Brian Lawrence, he's got to decide. He's made a good chunk of change. What does he want the last few years of his of his career to be like? Yeah. I think I think it's a he's also a great guy that's won the cup. There's not very many guys in our lineup that have won the cup. And yeah. that is somebody that is needed in our lineup, especially in the locker room. No, for sure. I agree with that. Well on the heels of Ryan O'Reilly, and we're getting close to wrapping this up here. Um Nola Cherry, Luke Shen, David Camp, some pretty decent names on this roster. Those three players, give me your thoughts quickly uh, on who you think would come back. Do you think we get Nola Cherry done? I do. I, I think so. Um, but then again, like you're not going to pay, like, I don't think, I think Nola Charlie knows this too. Like he probably upped his value so much with that playoff run. Yep. But I also think, He's exactly the type of player this Leafs team needs. If yes. he leaves, if he, they don't bring him back, like, yeah, it's not end of the world, but it's also like you would really want to have this guy back. And I think, yeah, I think you, again, if to bring guys back, you may have to give up term. I don't know how much, like, you know, if you tell a guy like that, we'll give you two years, 
he might be okay with that. He might actually be fine with knowing he has two years rather than having to go and scoundrel out for a one-year deal. But getting it done early is also key too because with these tweener guys, guys lower in the lineup, the longer they wait out there, the worse their deals are for them. So if you to get if you try to push that out to him a little bit early, maybe he, he'll just say, you know what, this is a good deal for me. Why risk trying to go out in free agency right now? And he's a guy the Leafs actually went after last year. Yes. But just ran out of cap room and could not get him done, which is why Zach Aston Reese became the next priority. Um, David Camp, staying or going? I think, honestly, I think he's gone. Personally, I think he's gone because I think a team sees him in a bigger role and they can pay him more. Mm. I think he just tries to prime away. I, I, Pittsburgh would scream <laughs> like a guy, like a yeah. place he'd go. I think there's just a lot of teams that will, in a way, yeah. overpay for him because they'll, he has some offensive instincts, but they're going to think he's got more to offer in that regard. Yeah. Um, as a third line center, I still view him as a fourth line center just mm-hmm. because you play him too much, it's gonna eat into his defensive play. So, I also think like a guy like Pontus Omberg, you can slot into that spot and save some, save yourself a little bit of money there. You have to start doing that, you have to start relying yeah. on some of your some of your guys lower in your, you know, in your minor system to fill in these gaps. I do think that you'll see a few Marlies graduate up to the team this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and last guy for me is Luke Shen. Everybody loves him. I want him back. It sounds like he wants to come back. Could be gamesmanship as well. But uh, if you gave Luke Shen a two-year deal at one and a half, I mean, what do you say no? We were discussing this on the po- on the next episode podcast, so a little tease <laughs> and a little bit of uh, insider here. We did discuss that. We were saying, like, what do you have to offer Luke Shen to make sure he stays? I think the term is going to be important for him. He's not going to want to have to continue to do the bouncing around. I think he wants a little bit of stability. And I think you're going to have to offer him some trade protection too because I think that's, for him, that's that's what he's going to value most. And if you can do that, maybe he will take a little less money. He was just coming off of, you know, two years, 1.7 total, right? You're going to have to bump that up. Mike and I were saying I wouldn't go past two. Two yep. is kind of my hard hard because that's just you're taking Justin Hall's money and you're putting it to Luke Shen. I would be okay with that. 100%. <laughs> right? If you can get him to one and a half to 1.75, I think you're you're just going to be... It's, it'd be the probably such an easy yes, let's just get this done. Alright, well that's a guy that I definitely want to have back. Well David, I want to have you back on once everything does shake out for the Maple Leafs here where we went wrong, went right. Maybe there's a big name that has gone beyond that time. But if you're not already... Go check out Locked On Leafs. Go subscribe over on YouTube. Get them past the Senators and subscribers. But, David, thank you so much for spending some time with us tonight. Hope to have you back on. I appreciate you guys having me. This was a lot of fun. All right. Thanks, David. Well, ladies and gentlemen, you know what this is right here. It's Offside Hockey Talk, where the Maple Leafs and hockey come to talk. 